What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. It's the Week 12 recap. The Packers dominate the LA Rams at Lambeau Field, 36-28. to So much to get into. I mean, the offense was dog-walking. That Rams defense up and down the field. Aaron Donald who? Jalen Ramsey who? I mean, the Packers offense was doing whatever they wanted. And on the defensive side of the ball, from the first quarter all the way through the final seconds of the game, they were playing some hard-nosed, smash-mouth football. And I couldn't be more pumped. So much to get into. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekly Cheese. Super Bowl! Super Bowl! Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. I'm your host, Joe Ivan. Here with me in studio is Chris. Chris, how are you? Joe, I'm doing fantastic after an unreal Packers W. How are you doing? Oh, I mean, on Mondays like this, you can't get the smile off my face. You could slap someone I care about deeply right in front of me, and I probably won't smile. I'll get angry, but I won't smile because the Packers took care of business, and nothing could block my shine today. Nothing. Yeah, I mean... It's only right we have a Monday like this after a Monday like last Monday. I mean, I I could see it coming from a mile away, no? Yeah, I I could, and I was obviously feeling optimistic going into the game. Not going to lie, as everyone probably knows that heard the pregame preview, I thought it was going to be a little closer. I didn't think it was going to be as lopsided as it felt and as it ultimately ended up being can't say I'm surprised that it was. This Packers team is legit. They are special. And right now, after 12 weeks going into the bye, I'd like to believe that they are the NFC favorites. Yeah, man. I wasn't surprised actually at all. I tend to be slightly more optimistic than you, but I don't know. I Now that I'm, you know, in the weeds, as they say, a little more with the Packers, I, I see guys, you know, that have to step up, stepping up. I understand the roles they have to fill, and they're filling them exactly how they need to, and the Packers are good. They're on a roll right they now. They really are, and it's a testament to the scouts. It's a testament to the front office. Goot, I'll give him his respects. He's put together a solid roster here, and it's a testament to more than anyone else. I have to say it's a testament to Coach LaFleur and the and the whole, entire coaching staff. I mean, they have cultivated a next up, next man up mentality in this team that is working like a charm. Whatever they have going on in terms of getting these younger and more inexperienced players ready for primetime action like that, they're doing a great job because – People are stepping up left and right for this Packers team. Yeah, Coach LaFleur moves on to 9-0 and after a loss, too. That's an unreal stat. The guy just wins. He just wins. Just I believe wins. he's off to the greatest start in head coaching history, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. It's insane. You would think he's been coaching for years, and it's like, what, his third year? His third yeah, season. Third season and, as a head coach. Uh, nine losses, I believe, in the yeah, regular season. That, that's unreal. So good things are happening in Packer Nation. I hope everyone out there is having – 
as good of a Monday as we are here at the Weekly Cheese Studios. Uh, and another reason why this Monday has been so special and so exciting for me is not only did the Packers dominate the L.A. Rams, yes, they did, I'll say it again, but I received my Packers share today in the mail, and I could not be happier about that either. So good things all around right now for Packer Nation, and another extremely good thing is with that win on Sunday, the Packers completed the full sweep of the NFC West. The NFC West is considered the most competent and powerful division in the NFC, and the Green Bay Packers dismantled each and every single one of those teams with relative ease, if I do say so myself. They've advanced their record to 9-3, and three, and they are heading in to a much-needed Week 13 bye. I don't know if the bye could have came at a better time. No, the defense honesty. just came off of weeks of elite quarterbacks that they had to face, and they suppressed them, I would say, for the most part. They did what they had to do. They should go relax heavily now. They did what they had to do, and if not for uh, Aaron Rodgers missing that Chiefs game, I believe they would have won that one as well. Uh, but right now, th they're in a perfect position, and it's time for every single one of them including the equipment managers and everyone involved to enjoy their their week off, rest up, heal up, and get ready for this home stretch because we pick right up with the Chicago Bears after the bye. Boo! And right after that, it's the home stretch. It's the Bears. We got our last two AFC opponents of the year with the Browns and the Ravens. Then we finish it up with two divisional opponents. We got Vikings, Lions. So, the home stretch is upon us, and let's just use this week as a, a mental reset as well here at the Weekly Cheese and for everyone out there living their day-to-day -day lives throughout the week. Reset this week, and let's come back ready for postseason football. But for right now, let's break down Sunday's game. On both sides of the ball, the Packers played tough, hard-nosed football and executed the game plan to near perfection. Of course, there's going to be a mistake here and there, but for the most part, the game plan seemed to be perfectly executed. On the offensive side of the ball, the O-line held up nicely. The Packers were able to move the ball around wherever they wanted to. They had a nice balance between the run attack and the passing attack, and this allowed the Packers to once again dominate the time of possession, just like they did against Seattle two weeks ago. The Green Bay Packers controlled the ball for nearly 20 more minutes than the L.A. Rams did. It was 39 minutes to 21 minutes time of possession. And when the Packers are doing that, they're unstoppable. unstoppable. If the Packers could have a 20-minute advantage in time of possession every single game, they will not lose. Uh, it, it's the recipe for when they do end up losing a game, like they have to San Fran in the past – where the Buccaneers last regular season, when they're losing games and getting blown out of games, the Saints, week one, they're getting dominated in the time of possession. The offense can't stay on the field. The defense is getting tired. But when they flip the script and they could do that to other teams, they're unbeatable. And that was proven on Sunday with the walloping they delivered. It was a walloping. To Matt Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams. Walloping. I think it's the extra couple yards that, like, A.J. Dillon especially can pick up on the run. You know, first and second down, they get 
five or six instead of two or three or exactly. seven or eight. And it's crazy. And when they're doing that, and they're it's just proof that they're going on slow, methodical drives. They're not having four or five play drives where they're getting a huge breakout play. They're driving for 15, 16 plays. I mean, even when they're not coming away with points, yesterday on their first offensive drive of the game, it was the longest drive in the NFL this season that ended in a punt. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. There was it was the most plays ran this season resulting in a punt. So like even when they're not coming away with points, they're sucking up the they're clock. They're sucking up the clock and they're pinning the the other opposing teams in tough spots with Bahorquez's golden leg. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to touch on this later, but what a punt from Bahorquez. We'll I mean, definitely be getting yes. into the special teams at the, to to round out the show. At the end there, but Bahorquez, he's a weapon. The way the ball landed, it like ran away from the guy. It left the guy chasing the ball on the ground. It was hilarious. And it was awesome to see because that was another, uh, it was a basically a double FU game for Joe Barry, who was on the Rams coaching staff the last four years, and Bahorquez, who they chose Jinx. Hecker over. So it was nice to see both of those gentlemen come away with some. Nice play from both Joe Barry's defense and Bahorquez's leg. Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, speaking of Joe Barry's defense, they were able to stop the run early and get after Matt Stafford. I mean, the pressure they were able to apply to Matt Stafford throughout the game generated game-changing turnovers, I mean, in both halves, including a game-sealing pick six in the third quarter. And, of course, a, sh a fumble in the first quarter. So the Packers' defense came ready to play. Uh, they heard the chirps after last week's performance against Minnesota. And, yeah, they had Rashawn Gary back, which is a huge bump in energy and morale. But, man, in all three phases, the Packers' defense was outstanding. And they deserve that top five overall ranking. That they currently have. I believe right now after yesterday. The Packers hold the 5th ranked defense. In the National Football League. Which more than anything else. Puts a smile on my face. And is a huge reason why this team. Is as special. As it is. Um, but let's break down the Packers offense. In a little more in depth here. Um, during the preview. On Saturday. I stated that the most important aspect of Sunday's game, and the biggest key to victory on Sunday would be how Green Bay's injury-riddled offensive line would handle the Rams' defensive line, which is considered to be, if not the best, one of the best in the league, and is spearheaded by none other than future Hall of Famer, perhaps best defensive end of all time, Aaron Donald. Um, and... A Packers offensive line without David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins really has no business taking on the Rams' <laughs> defensive line. Um, but fortunately for us, Josh Nyman, Lucas Patrick, Royce Newman, John Runyon, and Billy Turner stepped it up, and they played about as good as, as good. we could have they asked imposed them to. themselves on the best defensive line in they the did. NFL. They did. They imposed themselves. They, they imposed didn't always themselves. win their one-on-ones. There were a couple of hiccups here and there, but they kicked ass and they 
set the tone. And they were pissing Aaron Donald off with that double team. I don't even know who who was yes, double teaming him, but they were pissing him off. They they only gave up one sack. Uh, it resulted in a loss of no yards. It was when Aaron tried scrambling the pocket. Billy Turner didn't keep his block, and the guy was able to get him from behind. And if he didn't, Aaron was easily scrambling for a first down there. Uh, there was nothing but green grass ahead of him. Um, but for the most part, they suppressed Aaron Donald. They suppressed Von Miller. And they didn't allow anyone on that Rams defensive line to impact the game in a significant way. And they, as you said, Chris, they visually frustrated yes, them they did. in the process. The interior trio of Runyon, Patrick, and Newman, they had their work cut out for them. Uh, Aaron Donald is no easy task for anyone. Um, but they were able to come together and take him out of the game. He finished with just three solo tackles, not one tackle for a loss, and no sacks. And once again, just like last year in the divisional round, he could be seen performing a dirty maneuver onto one of our offensive linemen. Last year, in the divisional round game, he was injured, and he was getting his ass kicked by Elton Jenkins. And he grabbed him by the face mask and kind of got a little chippy with him. But it was understandable. It wasn't anything that made you, like, sick to your stomach or angry with Donald. It was just obvious that it was it was actually respect thing that he showed Elton Jenkins by giving him that thing because Elton Jenkins, as a second-year player, totally brought the heat to Aaron Donald in the playoffs. and Visually frustrated him last visually year, Visually frustrated too. him. But this, what he did yesterday was disgusting, okay? He was getting his ass kicked by Lucas Patrick all game long. And he took his anger out in one of the most egregious ways imaginable. He he vice gripped the man. I esophagus. saw that. I actually saw that. And I was yeah, questioning. Dude. The ref was just watching it. The ref didn't have it. He couldn't have had a better. The, the ref like had to he was standing. He, I can't jaws. even speak about it because of Hold oh up. my god. The ref had to get the jaws of life out of his utility belt to pry Donald's hand off of Lucas Patrick's neck. Like, the ref literally had to reach up there and remove the vice grip that he had around poor Lucas Patrick's esophagus. <laughs> if you zoomed up, you could literally see Aaron Donald yeah, with hand a three-finger grip. And then goes right for his Adam's apple. Yeah. Like, like, his hand was wide, yeah. and I was like, oh my god, is he going to choke him? And as the slow motion continues, his hand shrinks yeah. up like that and goes right in. Yeah, dude. I was like, was, holy cow. It was ridiculous, and... <laughs> He should have been flagged for an unnecessary roughness. He should have, in my opinion, been thrown out of the game. And I was making a joke to Mike. I was watching with him, and I said to him, imagine Lucas Patrick shows up to the press conference with, like, a neck brace on, and he ends up suing Aaron Donald for, like, <laughs> a, a battery or something. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like a civil lawsuit against Aaron Donald for strangling him in public. He bruised his Adam's <laughs> yeah, apple dude. like this. Yeah, that was ridiculous, and it was just proof of how physical the Packers' offensive line was playing. They they forced this Rams team to have hissy fits every single time they come to town. And, uh, I mean, man, it was awesome to see Aaron Donald have a reaction like that because it was just proof that that, that interior trio, they played their ass off, and they, they, they did their job. And... Another man who we need to shout out specifically. Yeah, Billy Turner. 
he did great on the right as the right tackle. He always does great. It's Billy Turner, and I don't want to go this segment without bringing him up because I'm highlighting the interior trio, and I'm going about to praise Yash Nyman for his play as the left tackle. But before I do that, Billy Turner, you're a rock, man, but it, it's nothing new. Swaggiest man on the field always. Nothing new there. We're used to seeing Billy Turner perform that way. But Yash Nyman, his fourth career start, played amazing. I mean, he started at left tackle because Ellen Jenkins went down, and he had to he had to block Vaughn Miller. He had to block Terrell Lewis. He had his hands full all game, and he played great. He he allowed five pressures. But none of them were costly. Uh, if you take out the one play where Von Miller folded Aaron Rodgers like a book, yeah. um, but I believe there was a roughing the passer call, uh, and Aaron was able to get the ball out of his hands. It was not a sack. I did not like seeing Aaron get hit like that. But outside of that play, Yash didn't allow any sacks, uh, no QB hits out of, outside of that one, and. He could be seen doing the robot with A.J. Dillon in the end zone after A.J. Dillon scored the touchdown. Um, after the game, his teammates, the coaches, they really could not have given Yash higher praise. Uh, Billy referred to him as the most explosive lineman on the team. Um, and when he was asked if he was surprised by Yash's performance, he said not at all. Uh, Billy had a great quote regarding how the NFL treats everyone differently, and it simply is about when you get your opportunity and how you seize that opportunity. And in his four starts, Yash Nyman has proven that he could play in the NFL at a high level. Um, and the fact that the Packers have such a deep offensive line this is, yeah, is it ridiculous. It just seems like, oh, uh, you know, not to make a – joke of this but it's like one guy goes down another guy steps up one guy goes down another guy steps up it's like yeah that's how it's been all season long uh and the Packers are fortunate enough to have an entire offensive line room that is filled with legit players um I mean Lucas Patrick started every game at guard for the Packers last year and then this year he's not a starter at the beginning of the year he's coming off the bench Josh Myers goes down with an injury Lucas Patrick has now started six games as center uh, same thing goes for Yash Nyman. Uh, injuries stack up. He starts four games at tackle this year. John Runyon wasn't a uh, – Royce Newman. Like, these are all first-time starters, and they're playing excellent football. Yeah, LaFleur schemed it up in a way where Aaron was in the shotgun a lot. Uh, he wasn't taking massive drops. I believe his average drop back was like four yards or something like that yesterday. So the the scheme had it so Aaron was getting the ball out of his hands quickly and not – really in a position to get sacked all that often. But the offensive line did their job. One sack, no yards given up because of it. And like I said in the preview, they needed to play well for the Packers to win. They played well. The Packers won. It's that simple. Now that's not to say that the Packers' offensive line uh, played perfect. There's always room for improvement, obviously. Um for once, the offensive line did not do an extraordinary job blocking for the run, which really has been an issue for them all year long. Um, with Elton Jenkins being out now, it, it was perhaps worse than it's been all year. But with that being said, the Packers still did a decent job 
at moving the rock on the ground. Uh, 32 carries as a team for 92 yards. Aaron Jones started the game uh, and took three handoffs within the first four plays. However, after that, he only ran it seven more times, and he finished the day with 10 carries for 23 yards. Uh, I really don't know why Aaron Jones played. Uh, I was confused when I saw him getting the start, and then when they gave him the ball three times in a row, basically, on the first drive of the game, I was shocked, and I was like, okay, well, maybe, perhaps he's good to go. Like, But then, obviously... He didn't have the most productive game. 10 carries for 23 yards. Makes me wonder who decided to even let him go. If it was up to me, I and I, even after the game, I still think it would have been better off just letting Aaron Jones get the full two weeks rest with the bye. I mean, I don't know if LaFleur really thought we needed Aaron Jones because he thought we might lose or... Who knows what happened, but I was very shocked to see him out there. The word from Schefter, at least what he tweet, you know, how he tweets out all those little injury things before the games and stuff like that. Which we should all take with a grain of salt. A grain of salt. Considering he's, a, he's an NFL plant and a propagandist that no one should trust. Yes. Down yes. with Schefter. Down with Schefter here on the Weekly Cheese. All right, continue. Sorry. Uh, it basically was just, he was saying that Aaron Jones, like, actively wanted to play. The, like Lafleur was hesitant, but then so Aaron Jones probably really wanted to play. Took those three handoffs. And I was get like, that. Ah. Well, he he played a bunch. I think he had forty snaps or something like that. And of course, he's productive as a pass protector. He's great at picking up the block. But I don't know if it was worth uh, giving him, get letting him get hit. I don't know if it was worth risking reaggravating his knee. I mean, he's such an important piece to the puzzle for this Packers offense. And he's suffered a sprained MCL numerous times in his career. And for 10 carries, 23 yards, I don't know if it was worth getting him out there. Again, I, you're probably right. He probably did want to play really bad. But if I was LaFleur, I would have made an executive decision to keep him sidelined. But that's just me. Uh, obviously, I I don't know what was going on in there. I don't know how Aaron Jones was truly feeling and all that. But... Whatever. He played 10 for 23. It is what it is. Wasn't the most productive day for him, but that's because the run blocking really wasn't great. The Packers couldn't get any of their off-tackle stuff going all game long. I mean, Aaron Jones is best when he's running off the tackle and getting to the outside, and that was something something that simply was not happening um, with the way the Packers were run blocking. And he had a tough time slashing through the holes on the inside. Uh, he, when he runs interior and he gets a big gain on the inside, it's usually because he's hitting a hole hard and making a nice cut. And those holes just weren't there to be slashed. So it was obvious pretty early on that we needed to just roll out Quadzilla and allow him to go to work and, and beat up the Rams a little bit. And that's exactly what happened. A.J. Dillon, 20 carries, 69 yards, which is good for 3.5 per carry. Uh, not the best, most dominant day on the stat sheet when you look at it. But for A.J. Dillon on Sunday, it was not about how many yards he accumulated. It was about how he accumulated those yards. And that is what was impressive. Quick stat for you, Chris. That really blew my mind when I saw it this morning. 61 of A.J. Dillon's 69 yards came after first contact, and he averaged over three yards 
after first contact per carry. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's extraordinary. But if you watch him play, it's like honestly not even that surprising because like I was telling you, he takes that first hit and then like he winds up getting spun around most of the time and then he just runs, scurries backwards on his feet for like somehow. And still like, doesn't go down. Five I think or he six yards I every think he time. hit the turf three times. It's like, like <laughs> he, he has to pick before the gravity allows him to go to the ground. He has to pick up an additional at least like two yards. He's unstoppable. There was a play in that game where Aaron Donald hit him a yard behind the line of scrimmage, and he carried Aaron Donald and a pile of two or three other guys for a four-yard gain, and he still didn't get tackled. The refs blew it dead. He didn't go down, and then he escaped from that pile. Aaron Donald was on the ground trying to tackle him, and he just let out a ferocious roar to the crowd. I mean, A.J. Dillon is unreal. Unreal. And I was thinking about this yesterday. I was thinking about it a couple weeks ago when we were in Lambeau. But when he got drafted, I could not have been more negative. And I feel <laughs> I feel bad about it because Well, you had Jamal Williams at the time. You had Jamal Williams at the time, but on top of that, it came one it came the pick immediately after the Jordan Love situation and as soon as that happened the day before, I was already in such a horrible mood where it didn't even matter who the Packers picked on day two. I was going to hate them, you know? Like, I was in such a bad place mentally surrounding the whole ordeal that I did not appreciate the pick at the time. But I apologize for that on record right now. And A.J. Dillon is quickly becoming one of my favorite Green Bay Packers, not just on this team, but that I've ever watched. Wow. Because this guy is... He runs so hard. Hard, yeah. He runs so hard. And I just I love to see it. And it's just it's unreal how hard he runs. And I got a yellow uh AJ Dillon jersey coming in the mail right now from DH Gate. Nice. More pumped about nice, it. nice. Yeah. It made me like verbally laugh out loud when he caught that swing pass and then he made like that that enormous juke. He like all of his weight was on his right and then he kinda just like stepped. Right besides Jay. It looks so slow. I'm sure in real time it was much faster, but it looks so slow. It's so funny. He's he's just unreal, and the Packers really could not be luckier to have A.J. Dillon, especially if Aaron Jones isn't at 100%. I mean, we have a legitimate starter as our second running back, and that's a luxury not many NFL teams can say they have. And once again, A.J. Dillon made a huge impact in the passing game. Five receptions, 21 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, so he is not just a three three yards and a cloud of dust type running back. He is way more than that. He is a complete football player. And what is that, five weeks in a row now, he has multiple catches out of the backfield for either a touchdown or 40 yards. I mean, he's either running for 40 yards after the catch or he's scoring a quick little tutty in the air. It's really nice to see. I could, again, he is quickly climbing my all-time favorite Packer list uh, at rapid speed. And, I mean, couldn't be happier that number 28 is playing for the green and gold. And the Green Bay Packers' passing attack was solid all day, the entire passing game. Aaron proved, again, that a fractured toe and missing a week of practice uh, is not enough to slow him down whatsoever. Quick sidebar on that fractured toe. I think out of our two analysis is analysis is 
I was pretty accurate. I think you were right. I yeah. think I was right. I know. I think you were right down to the sauna. I think I was yeah, right. Yeah, I think it was a sauna injury. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just based off, you know, evidence, what Pat McAfee had sucked out of him on his show, pause. But And then Aaron having to expose his toe to the national airways. Yeah, I know. I'm, I, he was so ashamed. Can you believe that? We America shamed him into showing his yeah, toe. I know. It, it's what crazy. What are you doing? Just say my toe's fractured. Yeah, it... I don't not getting into all that. We're not talking. We're not here to talk. But yeah, about quick little tip. Aaron's I think he actually did happen media. to just catch a stub that fractured the toe, chipped the nail, and now he's devastated. I think you have a point there with the with the toe and the fracture on a jam. That has that's the only explanation for what it could be. But again, it is not slowing the man down. You finish the game twenty eight for forty five, three hundred seven yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And a rushing touchdown absolutely humiliated Jalen Ramsey with the pump fake and uh, pranced into the end zone for his third rushing touchdown of the season. Um, it wasn't the most efficient day from Aaron Rodgers, but he did a great job at navigating the collapsing pocket and getting the ball out quickly and spreading it all around the yard. Um I did praise the offensive line just a couple minutes ago, and they played great. But Aaron, the pocket was collapsing on him quite a bit. I believe the Rams had upwards of 15 hurries, so there were numerous times throughout the game where Aaron really had to evade that pocket and make something happen. And even with the toe, he was able to do so with ease. Um, and, yeah, he got the ball around. He got a around the yard and spread it out to nearly every single receiving option he had at his disposal. Um, before we move on to the receivers and the plays they were making, Aaron is getting, a, I, I guess you call it a second opinion or a third look at his toe today. Um, I don't know, Chris, if you could look it up for me real quick. I don't know if there's any news broke about it yet, but he is going to be making a decision on his toe and whether or not he needs to get a procedure done on it this bye week. I don't know if you saw in that play, was it Aaron Donald that took him down from behind or whatever? It, his foot, like, jammed straight on, like, toes down into the turf, so maybe that, like, messed it up even worse, so now he's, like, considering probably. It, I don't know. It could, he did it, say it could have had nothing to do with it either. He did say he didn't need a second shot at halftime, which is good. He did need one against the Vikings, but um, we are awaiting news on whether or not he's going to undergo a procedure during the bye week. I'm not sure if it released yet. We're getting... No, the latest update is from Florio on Yahoo Sports, and it's just that he's still going to make his two hours ago. He was going to make yeah, his decision. Yeah, so we're still waiting his decision. Um, hopefully— Oh, his decision would be in, t like, tomorrow morning. Or, so his toe surgery would be tomorrow morning. So the decision has to, I guess, come out today or Yeah, it's going to be made today. Um, regardless of what comes out, I mean, Aaron did say two weeks ago that— he, the only uh, no, the only thing he could guarantee everyone is that he's not missing time. That missing games is not an option for him, and I'm going to take his word for that. So if he does or doesn't get a procedure, um, who who knows? But if he does get a procedure, I I'm hoping it's something that is minor and only requires a couple days recovery time because I do not want him to miss any time and if we take him at what he said two weeks ago he will not be missing any time so um let's hope for the best there as far as Aaron toes Aaron's toe goes and hey 
This is a much-needed bye week. Say it once, say it a thousand times. This team is hurt, and they need to heal up, and this is the week that they are able to do so. Uh, But once again, almost every single available pass catcher for the Packers made a big play for the offense. Devontae, eight receptions, 104 yards, past the 1,000-yard marker for the season. Absolutely dominated Jalen Ramsey once again. When being covered by Ramsey, Devontae was 5 for 5, 41 yards. Um, on Instagram, I posted a picture last night of a little – it was a horrible Photoshop edit. That's what kind of made it funny to me. But it was um, a picture of a father holding a baby son, and Devontae God, was the dad, yeah. and Jalen Ramsey was the kid. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, the discussion about, you know, the, oh, J- Jalen versus Devontae, blah, 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 that has to stop. I mean, there's just a track record of Devontae physically – Dominating. 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 Uh, There's no other word for it. I mean, at least five or six times last night. Just bounces or flies right off Devontae and away he goes. Yeah, he he obviously um, was exposed yesterday, not just by Devontae, who, yeah, caught five balls on five targets when being guarded by Ramsey, one of which occurring through an illegal hands-to-the-face penalty by the man. But he was humiliated by the entire offense, I mean, Whenever, no matter who he got matched up with, when he was targeted, they made the reception. Aaron was 7-for-7 seven seven when throwing at him. And uh, if we end up playing the Rams again, I don't want to hear one headline regarding the Jalen Ramsey-Devontae Adams matchup. I said it on the preview that I don't really think that's a real matchup. And uh, long and behold, Devontae proved that it's not. Devontae's the best receiver in the league. Um, Randall Cobb. Four receptions for 95 yards and a touchdown. He did muff the punt in the second quarter, which uh, was basically drove a stake right through my heart. I couldn't believe what I was watching. But he responded like the true veteran that Randall Cobb is. On the very next drive for the Packers offense, he started the drive off by having a catch and run for 27 yards up the left sideline. And then he finished the drive off with an amazing seven-yard touchdown catch in traffic, perfectly perfectly placed ball by Aaron Rodgers. And once again, Randall Cobb proves he should have never gone anywhere. The man is a Packer. He should have always been a Packer. And I'm glad he's going to finish a Packer. Unfortunately, he would not return in the second half. He hurt his groin, but... Hopefully it's nothing too serious, and he's healed up and ready to go after the bye. And uh, Randall Cobb could continue with this great 2021 season that he is putting together for himself. Uh, MVS continuing to get back on track. Four catches, 50 yards. He ran a great post-corner route uh, for a first down on second and 14. He took it for 28 yards. Um that play brings up the Stunat of the Week, just a quick Stunat of the Week, because this man, I don't know how many times someone could possibly win Stunat of the Week, but that is Troy Aikman. For some reason, this guy cannot seem to give the Packers credit for anything, even when MVS runs a beautiful post-corner route and beats his man for 28 yards, saving a drive that was started with a first and 22 after Lucas Patrick had the illegal block in the back. Um, a dead drive that was saved because MVS's beautiful route running got totally discredited by Troy Aikman. He called it a blown coverage. I didn't know when uh, every time a defensive back gets beat, it's a blown coverage. I didn't know that. 
but what, whatever. Sonata of the week, Troy Aikman, you suck, bud. Uh, moving on, Alan Lazard, two catches, 13 yards. Uh, he was targeted six times. A couple of them, uh, a couple of those missed connections with Aaron were, were not Alan Lazard's fault. Uh, they were forced throws. He was in a tough spot. There was really no chance of him coming down with them. But with that being said, he did have two drops, and he could have had an easy touchdown uh, if he just extended his hands there. Aaron kind of just looked like he overthrew him. But needless to say, he was forcing the ball into Lazard uh, over the past couple weeks, and Lazard has not been coming down with them. Uh, he needs to start making some grabs on those 50-50 balls. He just needs a couple catches, I feel like, in a row, you know, a big game because he's kind of out of rhythm. He, like, rarely gets targeted. If he targets now, if he gets targets, they're getting forced in there. But he's that guy, though, you know what I mean? He's the guy in last in the progression that's going to have to get the ball thrown in there. Yeah, and he also, I mean, does so much for the Packers. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, the the two for thirteen. It wasn't a great game from Lazard. No, um, and he needs to. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Once he gets a ha- once he has a big game, he'll get back on track. He's just kind of out of rhythm. Yeah, two yeah, targets. I mean, it, well, he's six targets. Six targets, but he yeah, only two catches. Two catches. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, but two of them were drops. The other two were not his fault. Either way, over the last three weeks, Lazard has been dropping balls and getting the ball thrown to him in some tough spots. Uh, but it's Alan Lazard. He, he's does so much for this team that we don't really, really even rely on him to be that much of a receiving threat every single week. Two for 13. He did his job. Uh, Josiah DeGuara also had two for 13. Uh, he came up big once again, this time on fourth and two to extend the drive. Um, and this is the second week in a row Josiah DeGuara has made a significant contribu- contribution to this offense. And it's needed with Tunyon being out for the year. Josiah DeGuara is going to need to catch some balls, and um, even if he's only catching one or two a week, if they're at crucial moments like they were last week against the Vikings and this week against the Rams, Josiah DeGuara is going to continue to earn the trust of everyone involved in the operation. And uh, speaking of a man who is confirmed to have the trust of Aaron Rodgers, Equiminius St. Brown, one catch for seven yards, it was for a first down. He extended a drive. And, I mean, what 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 can be said about EQ? Aaron Rodgers gave him such high praise after the game, and rightfully so. Uh, I said it last week. I'll say it again. He was cut from the team, but he was brought back. And this season, especially over the last five weeks, EQ is playing some good football, and he's making a play every single game. That's of significance, a chain mover, um, a momentum shifter, what have you. EQ is playing good football right now. And couldn't be happier for him. This Packers offense is getting the ball rolling. They're still not great on third down. They're still not great in the red zone, and they're still leaving points out there. But with that being said, they played good on Sunday, and they scored 38 and could have had upwards of 45 they have the potential to be the highest scoring team in the league, but there's just certain things. They gave me heart, a heart attack like twice in the red zone yesterday. They're down in the red zone. Yeah. Those are the areas that they need to clean up. Uh, you'll hear it from the guys at top. First and foremost, Aaron and LaFleur will reiterate it. Third down and in the red zone. It's got to get cleaned up. But as of right now, especially with this way this defense is playing, the Packers offense is playing some good football. 
Let's talk about this defense because, God, do I love this Packers defense. My goodness, they are so badass. On Sunday, the Packers defense dominated the Los Angeles Rams. They stopped the run early and never allowed it to get going. The Rams ran 20 times for just 68 yards, and the Packers defense did a great job at getting off the field on third down. On top of all that, the pass rush was active and forced turnovers by getting to Stafford and forcing him to throw inaccurate and errant passers. I said in the preview that they need to force him to turn into gunslinger Stafford, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, along the defensive line, Kenny Clark played over 80% of the snaps for the 10th time this season. There were many times where he was the only interior lineman on the field. Um, and he had another monstrous game. Six tackles, three pressures, a sack, and another QB hit on top of that. And man, Kenny Clark is that beast. He is playing at an all-pro level. In my opinion, he's the best nose guard in football right now. And when I see him hounding quarterbacks, like when he sacked Stafford there on that play, about a half second to a second before he got to Stafford, you could see him tracing him down. And I was just thinking to myself, how scary it must be to be Matt Stafford in that moment. Because you feel Kenny Clark. Yeah, you Clark, hear the ground like, shake and you hear his breath And within a second, you. he closes in on you and just tackles you from behind, plants you in the turf. The guy's a beast. He's just He requires so much attention, and he has been a menace in the pass rush all year long. On Sunday, the majority of the pass rush came from Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary. And we'll get into Rashawn in a second. But Kenny Clark, another phenomenal performance. And I can't wait to get his jersey coming in the mail from DHgate either. <laughs> I could not be more ready. Uh, Kingsley Kiki and Dean Lowry lined up next to Kenny when the Packers did go to that standard 4-2 formation. Uh, and they combined for five pressures. Uh, they, they didn't have a great game. They weren't making splash plays. But um, five pressures from those two guys and with the time they were out there. And productive. They were productive. Uh, and Slayton and Lancaster, they played a reserve role, playing 11 snaps total. But on the interior of the line, the man of the game was none other than Kenny Clark. The man was just a beast. Uh, and before we move on to the edge rushers, as we talk about Tyler Lancaster here, I do want to bring up something that Chris just informed me of as we were sitting down to do this podcast, and that is that Tyler Lancaster is on Cameo. Well, in the, while I was you know just sitting here also doing some some research, there's somebody you also would be pleasantly surprised is on Cameo. No. Oh, AJ. Well, I think I knew Dylan was on Cameo, and that makes more sense to me. His is his price is on here. Lancaster's is not. Well, that's because is AJ Dylan still accepting? Yes, he well, is. Well, see, that's a huge difference. Lancaster shut down the Cameo for football season because he shuts out all the noise. You know, he shuts out all the noise, Lancaster, and he's all football all the time during the season. Oh, and Aaron, so it seems I like think all we would the be Packers yeah. Let cameo. me let me continue to do some research here. We might be. Oh my God, the whole team might be on yeah, here. Yeah, well, 
as Chris figures out who from the Packers are on cameo, because it does seem I, a I'm good really just looking for who's not on the Packers or who for who's not on cameo. The point I was trying to make is as soon as the season's over, I am spending the money to get a Tyler Lancaster cameo. I don't care what the price is. There's no price too high to get a cameo from Lancaster himself. And now Chris is just show me Mason Crosby also has a cameo. We're not going to get into cameo right now because obviously there's a whole slew of green and gold on there. But without a doubt, I will be purchasing a Tyler Lancaster cameo as soon as the price gets relisted onto the website. Um, pushing on. Off the edge, Rashawn Gary was back. And he was in full force. He didn't get the full snap count like we're accustomed to seeing him out there. Only played 33 snaps, but that's a good chunk. Just two weeks removed from that gnarly elbow injury. And his impact could not have been greater from the first quarter. I mean, on the Rams' second offensive drive of the game, the second snap of the drive, Rashawn Gary comes in. Fighting through Andrew Whitworth, being held and all, and comes away with a strip sack, gets fumbled by Pre- uh, recovered by Preston Smith, and the, set the Packers up with excellent field position. It set the tone for the entire game, really. Set the tone for the entire game, and he finished the game with four pressures. Preston, five pressures. Nine pressures combined from the primary edge rushers, and they were wreaking havoc all game long. And... My goodness, I said on the pregame preview, keep an eye out for the Rashawn Gary-Whitworth matchup, and boy, was that matchup exploited. Andrew Whitworth might be having a good season overall in terms of his pass protection, but Rashawn Gary certainly has his number because he was only called for the one holding, but I think I picked up on four or he five. Held him every play. Holes. He was yeah. blowing by. Yeah, Whitworth had no business. No business. The whole line really had no business. I mean, Preston was in the backfield every single every play, play as well. I mean, that ca- that take carries over from, you know, at least the Seattle game. He's been in the backfield every Preston play. Preston Smith for the most this part. season has been a man on a mission. Again, after he had to restructure his contract to stay with the team this offseason, he had to take a pretty big pay cut. Preston Smith is incentivized heavily to have a good season, and he's been playing lights out all year long. I mean, the guy, he's playing great football. Preston's playing great football. And, hey, if the rumors are true and Zadarius Smith is going to be back out he there He was soon, on the sideline yesterday. I don't know if he was but, on the sideline for the other games, but I saw him there. Yeah, I saw him on the sideline too, and that is a good sign. He was jumping up and down. He seemed to be in good spirits. And if and when he comes back, this Packers pass rush is going to be the best in the league because as of right now, they're wreaking havoc with the way Kenny's playing, add a Zadarius Smith in there, and my goodness, this defense is going to be unstoppable. Um, the inside the inside linebackers, they had another Chris good Barnes game. Chris Barnes played well. Chris, Chris Barnes, Barnes played, played great. Well. Devondre Campbell, he had a down game when, we, when you compare it to what we're used to seeing out of the guy. Just four tackles. And he allowed two completions for 20 yards. But on a day where Devondre is going to have a little bit of a down game, thank goodness Chris Barnes played lights out. I mean, led the team with nine tackles, did a decent job covering. I mean, he was matched up with Cooper Cup a couple times there in the zone. And he even broke up a pass that was attended for Cooper Cup. So 
that's good because Barnes, I mean, he's notoriously a poor poor coverage guy. That's his weakest aspect of his game. Um, but he played good on Sunday. And he forced a fumble on special teams that got the Packers the ball back with great field position in the third quarter and allowed them to re-extend that lead to 13 late in the game there. Um, and enough can't be said about the way the Packers' front seven as a whole has played all season long. Devondre Campbell's been a savior at that middle linebacker position. Chris Barnes has some consistency issues, but for the most part has taken a step up in his play this season. And the defensive, the defensive line, I mean, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Rashawn Gary, and Preston Smith, those guys have been difference makers for this Packers team, and they're a huge reason why the secondary is playing, has been playing so well, and this Packers defense is ranked fifth in the league. Um, and a week after getting toasted by Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, the Packers secondary had a great game. And it, it, their lives were made easy due to the pressure and havoc the front seven was creating. But enough can't be said about the way they were playing on an individual level as well. Eric Stokes, he was targeted nine times on the game, allowed just three completions for 20 yards, only four yards after the catch, and two pass breakups. Um, one thing I'll say about Eric Stokes is he needs to start turning around a little bit and trying to make a play on the ball. Uh, a couple times this year and over the last two weeks especially, uh, he's kind of just making a play with his back turned. He's like, hand fighting. He, like he's that. hand fighting and just seems like he has no clue where the ball is. Is it's that getting... the style now, though? Do you think he knows where the ball I don't know. No, I, I. it seems like he doesn't know where the ball is. Really? And it seems like... He's getting lucky that the ball is... So you think he's just catching up to the receiver by the time the ball gets there? Uh... Yeah, and uh, he he could be called for a pass interference sometime well, soon here if he doesn't turn around all the sidebar, way. The underthrow pass interference call has like, gone way up this year in the NFL. Like I don't know if they're doing it on purpose to the quarterbacks where you know how like they underthrow it and then the receiver tries to come back for it a little bit, but the... The cornerbacks right there, so they get. That's I literally I forget which game. I think it was the Colts game that happened like three times. Yeah, and I know that the Cowboys fans were up in arms because of it after Thanksgiving. Exactly, exactly. So um, that's got to stop happening because that will start happening. Yeah, but like even on in in this game, Stokes got extremely lucky on that flea flicker, uh, on that play where Cooper Cup threw the touchdown yeah. pass to Van Jefferson. Uh, Stokes wasn't. He was completely turned around facing the other way. Uh, and to the ball to Odell down the right sideline late in that game. Uh, it was an incomplete pass, and I believe Stokes was credited for the PBU. But if that ball was thrown a little shorter and, like, a little shorter, Odell could have caught that ball. Instead, it was overthrown a little, and Stokes got a hand on it. But he didn't turn around at all, and that could have been also a costly play. So Stokes, some rookie mistakes here and there, but a solid game, only allowing three completions for 20 yards and four yards after the first after catch. So good for Stokes blocking down that side of the field. And Rasul Douglas, who I am now going to call the savior, had a fantastic game. I mean, Rasul Douglas looked like a Hall of Fame cornerback out there on Sunday. He did, he did have that one, what I'll say, blown coverage. I'll call that one a blown coverage, Troy Aikman. On Odell Beckham when Odell scored that touchdown. But outside of that play, 
Russell Douglas was phenomenal. Targeted 10 times, only allowed three catches, and he was the highest-graded Packers defender on the day. Six tackles, three pass breakups, and, of course, a pick six, an epic pick six that I believe received the Larravee dagger in the third quarter. Really? So it was the game-sealing interception, the game-sealing play, and Rasul Douglas scored his first touchdown of his career, and it couldn't have came at a bigger time. I mean, my God, how good is this man playing? He's playing out of his mind. His confidence is palpable, and he is the savior. When Jair Alexander went down with that injury, um, the Packers could have been in trouble. Especially with Kevin King, obviously, can't stay on the field for whatever reason. They would reason. have a whole hole on that side of the defense. And Isaac Yadam, before Russell Douglas got thrusted into action there against against the Chicago Bears, I mean, he's been phenomenal. He's saved the game against the Cardinals with the pick in the end zone. He's been playing solid coverage all year long. Rarely getting beat deep. He did it on Sunday, but he made up for it with three pass breakups and a pick six. The man was phenomenal and he truly is a savior because he saved this Packers season with the way he's playing uh and as of right now I mean call me crazy I think Rasul Douglas the man acquired from the Arizona Cardinals practice squad earlier this year is playing at a Pro Bowl level right now he really is he's playing great football and this team would not be sitting at nine and three if it were not for Rasul Douglas and yeah good on him good for him just like Billy Turner said, I brought it up at the beginning of the show, the NFL treats everyone differently. And it's all about ceasing the opportunities when you're presented them. Rasul Douglas was given an opportunity to start for a Super Bowl contending team, and he has done nothing but cease the, cease opportunity. the opportunity. And it could not be better for this Packers team, and I could not be happier for Rasul Douglas. And, of course... The play from the two safeties was phenomenal, as always. I mean, they didn't have a crazy day on the stat sheet. They combined for just four tackles. But Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos are as consistent as they come. Uh, I believe Rex Ryan might have said something about him on the ES ESPN pregame or what have you. But the, the gist of it, people have, are starting to recognize that they're – a luxury to have back there. They don't make mistakes. They're always in position. They're not getting beat constantly. And they're as sure as they come as safeties. And Adrian Amos may have had the defensive player play of the season for this Packers defense it on was a Sunday. Sick play. That stop on fourth and one. Amazing. He also fell on the onside kick. Unfortunately, Darnell got hurt on that, which was BS. I don't know what that maniac with the long hair was doing. I know. But luckily, Darnell tweeted he's okay. And, yeah, this safety duo is unreal. Um, the secondary all season long has been playing great. And they have 12 interceptions to show for it, which is good for six best in the NFL. Um, but with that being said, they've also been letting quarterbacks off the hook constantly If they could just shore some of that up. By dropping. I mean Oh, Easy God. interceptions. Rasul Douglas, yeah, he had the pick six on Sunday, but he also dropped another easy interception opportunity basically immediately after his pick six. He could have had two pick sixes if he just caught that one. Uh, Stokes, he had a shot at a pick six. If he came down with that ball, 
Uh, and Darnell Savage, he dropped another interception this week. Uh, three last week against the Vikings. Another one this week. Um, long story short is the Packers, they need to start taking advantage of these opportunities that they're getting to pick off the quarterbacks. So yeah, they have 12 on the season, but if they have capitalized on all of their opportunities, they'd be leading the league in interceptions. They'd have upwards of 20 this season. I think the Patriots are first right now with 19, but just in the last two weeks alone, if the Packers picked off every ball they could have, they'd have over 20 on the year. I mean, Darnell has left four out there over the last two weeks, and and yeah, there's been around about seven dropped interceptions over the last two games for this Packers defense, and they need to clean that up because it can be better, and hopefully it gets better. And We'll round out this episode. It was an ultimate great performance from the Packers defense. No complaints. Fifth best defense in the league heading into the bye. Uh, and hopefully after the bye, we can start getting Jair back, perhaps get Zedarius back. And, I mean, if we get those two guys back, two all pros back to this already extremely competent defense, whew, this team is clearly the Super Bowl favorites. I mean. They're playing this good defense without two all-pros. The best corner in the league is out, and they're playing this good. It's really got a smile on my face, ear to ear. Um, but one aspect of this Packers team, and this is how we'll round out the episode, that isn't making me smile right now is the special teams. Obviously, week in and week out, it's the same conversation. The special teams is just not good um, in all phases. I mean – the return game is weak. Randall muffed the punt this this week, but any given week, uh, whether it's Malik Taylor, Mari Rogers, seems like whoever they throw back there back has there. an issue with receiving the damn punt. Yeah, there really hasn't been a competent return man back there since Micah Hyde. Um, that's the last guy I could remember returning kicks where I was confident every single time that no mistake was going to occur. Um, but ever since then. It, it's just been – I'm on edge every single time the Packers have to return a punt or a kick, and that's not a good feeling. And on top of that, Mason Crosby is leading the league in missed kicks right now. Um, he missed another one on Sunday, and he was flirting with that left upright all game. He could have legitimately missed two or three on Sunday. We're lucky he just missed one, and I hate to see it. And as far as I'm concerned – all this talks of the Packers need to get a new kicker right now, need to get rid of Mason Crosby, all of that just needs to be silenced. That's not going to happen. The truth of the matter is Mason Crosby is our field goal kicker. He has been for 13 years. He's the leading scorer in Packers history. He's a Super Bowl champion. And unfortunately, he's our guy, at least for the rest of this season. Uh he has a gold five-star captain's patch on his jersey. He's been a captain of this team for over five seasons. And you can't just go cut Mason Crosby. I'm sorry. It's not like he, he, it's not like a, any other kicker in the NFL. It's really not. You can't just go cut Mason Crosby. So, unfortunately, we live and die with his leg. And I'm okay with that. I have not turned faith. I am still a Mason Crosby believer, and I think he's going to use this bye week as a mental reset. 
And this final stretch of the season is going to be lights out for Mason Crosby. This bye week, he's going to meet with Wordle, that new long snapper, and Boho. And they're going to clean up the operation. And when they return, Mason Crosby will get back to being Mason Crosby. Mark my words. That aspect will be cleaned up after this bye. Mark it right now. But it wasn't all bad for the Packers special teams. They did force a turnover. Chris Barnes forced a fumble on a punt return for the Rams. Um, but I don't know how much that was the Packers playing good special teams football or uh, if that was just because they were lucky enough to be facing off against the worst return man in the National Football League. Uh, I'll be surprised if that Koski guy has a job for much longer. Uh, not only did he fumble, that punt, but on the very next return, he dropped the ball out of midair and had to pick it up off the ground, proceeded to move seven yards very timidly, and got planted into the ground. Um, so, yeah, don't know if it was just great coverage by the Packers or uh, luck that they were going up against that Koski guy um, who put the ball on the ground and fumbled it away in his fifth career punt return. Um, either way, the special teams has to clean up. Mo Drayton needs to get that unit playing better. And, of course, the field goal operation needs to get back to normal because right now it is not looking good. That's going to do it for this episode of the Weekly Cheese. As always, if you guys enjoy the content, please feel free to subscribe to the YouTube channel and like the video, feel free to comment any thoughts you had while listening. Uh, and if you hate the content, hey, feel free to dislike the video and chirp me in the comment section. Uh, I'm just really trying to get some more interaction going on there. And also, hey, follow us on social media, on Instagram at The Weekly Cheese, on TikTok at theweeklycheese.podcast. Uh, find the podcast on Spotify at The Weekly Cheese. I hope you all listening enjoy the bye week. Um, keep an eye peeled. Something might be getting released from the Weekly Cheese uh, during the bye week. Maybe a fun non-season related Packer type episode. Maybe some lists or something. I don't know. We'll put together something fun next week for you. No preview coming this week. Obviously, the Packers are on the bye. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week, of course, to talk about the... Uh, matchup with the Bears that the Packers will be having after the bye. Until then, as always, remember, the cheese stands alone. And yeah, hey, I'll talk to you all next week, everyone. Go Pack. Come on!